Well, grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have any of you ever heard the old Zig Ziglar story about ham? Yes? No? Hmm. Well, let me tell you the story. A newlywed couple were in their kitchen, and the husband was sitting at the table reading the newspaper. It's an old story. While his wife was preparing a ham for dinner. The husband watched his wife cut off about an inch of ham from both ends of the ham and then place it in the baking pan. He was surprised she did this, so he asked her why she cut the ends off, commenting when he did that, you seem to be wasting a lot of ham, good ham. She said, well, that's the way my mom always prepared a ham. And then her husband asked her in a somewhat challenging way, well, why did your mom do it that way? And the wife had to admit she didn't know. Well, later that day, the wife called her mom to find out why she cut the ends of the ham off. And her mom said, well, that's because that's the way my mom prepared ham. Well, grandma had already passed away, but grandpa was still alive. So she decided she'd call her grandpa. And she called him and said, grandpa, why did grandma cut off the ends of the ham? And he was silent for a moment as he thought about it. And then he said, so the ham could fit in the baking pan. <laughs> Sometimes it might be good, even helpful to have folks ask us questions, challenge us about why we do the things we do. And has someone ever challenged you about something you do and why you did it that way? Well, I have to tell you, this has happened to me. And I'm going to share a story, and I want you to know I have permission to do so. As many of you know, um, uh, Mark Buelsling served as a confirmation mentor here at Good Shepherd for about seven years. <clears throat> and that means he helped teach Sunday morning classes, but he also helped lead retreats and other various activities that we did as a confirmation class. And every summer, over those seven summers together, Mark and Adrian Gordon and I would meet together to discuss and plan for the upcoming year. We would discuss what went well and maybe some adjustments we might want to make so things could be more meaningful, maybe more helpful for the students who were participating in the program. Well, as you might uh, think, it was a good process for us to go through. But I have to tell you, that initially I was a little uncomfortable with the process. I knew this about Mark. He is naturally an outside the box thinker. He, it's his way he operates in the world, which was great because he would often approach a faith topic in a very unique way or from a very unique perspective, so much different than the way I would. But sometimes when we were discussing a plan for a topic or an idea for a topic, he would say, well, why do we do it this way? And then he would go on and discuss that. Or he would say something like, do you really think this is the best way we can help get this point across? Are we really gonna make the point we hope we would make? And I have to tell you in that moment, I was typically pretty uncomfortable and felt challenged um, because he was questioning something that maybe I had put together or I held true or he, I thought, that worked well. 
And here is what I learned when Mark, Mark gently challenged an idea, because he was never in your face kind of thing. He would gently challenge it. It was helpful for me to take a breath and really listen to what he was saying and why he thought the way he did. In the end, these challenges, I believe, helped Mark and Adrian and I create what we hope was a confirmation program, which helped Good Shepherd Confirmands grow in their faith, yes, and also to know deeply God's love for them no matter what was taking place in their lives while they studied together and why they built friendships. Well, we're in the second week of Advent. In our gospel lesson, we encounter John the Baptist in the wilderness calling people to repent. And guess what, folks? His message is challenging. He certainly was challenging to those who went out to see him. And we know this was especially true for those Sadducees and the Pharisees who went out to see him, the religious leaders. As you know, we are in this time of Advent, a time when we prepare for the coming of Jesus. And in many ways, when we are preparing to welcome Jesus into our homes, we're preparing to welcome into our lives like we might do a guest or a visitor. And one of the things the pastors on the staff decided to do was kind of do a little bit of an Advent series. And so this week we're talking about how ad, in Advent we are sometimes called to welcome um, uh, a visitor who might come might be challenging to us if they come into our home. Well, I couldn't think of anyone who's come to my home who's really been challenging to me, except for the fact that when people come to visit over Christmas, it's challenging because they keep different schedules than I do, right? I'm sure you all maybe have experienced that. So I thought of this story of Mark about how he challenged my assumptions about things. And that's exactly what John the Baptist does for the people who come out to see that him. He's challenging their faith and he's challenging their assumptions and he says, you just can't, re, um, can't rest on your laurels of being children of Abraham. God is asking you for more. And most of us really don't go seek people out who challenge our assumptions or challenges, challenge the way we do things. So this makes me wonder, why did so many people go from Jerusalem down to Jericho, down to the River Jordan, because that's all in that same area. Why did they do that? And I have to tell you, it would not have been easy to go from Jerusalem down to the River Jordan. That would have been a long trek, a very treacherous trek at that time. So why did people flock to the wilderness to see John the Baptist? I know when I encounter somebody like a street preacher in downtown Cincinnati, I kind of avoid them. I kind of walk around them politely or maybe give them a wide berth. So it amazes me that people went to see John, went to see him, but somehow he must have gotten their attention. Somehow he must have gotten to the place that he went straight to their heart, but there was something in that that was maybe helpful to them. You may remember the Old Testament prophets and John is part of that tradition, were not doomsday predictors. They didn't predict the future. What they were about was telling the truth. Amos, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Micah are often truth tellers. They're telling the people of Israel the truth about what they're doing and about calling them to accountability. So here's what I wonder. Do you think that people went down to the River Jordan to see John the Baptist 
because they were longing to hear the truth, the truth about themselves, and the truth about God's hope for the world, the truth about maybe what would really be life-giving for everybody. Do you think that's why they went? Well, John calls those who are coming out to the desert to change their lives by telling them to repent of their sin, of the very things they do that, that do not bring life to themselves or others. And you may remember that word repentance really means to change one's mind. But it seems like Matthew goes even a step further in this gospel lesson because it's not just about changing your mind, it's about bearing fruit. It's like he's saying it doesn't just about changing how you think about things, but it also includes this step about acting differently too. So John's way of preparing a straight path focuses on repentance, and that is turning from the ways of the world towards practices that reflect the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God has come near. Later in Matthew's gospel, we will hear Jesus identify practices that, um, that really point this out, practices that will help us um, show that the kingdom of God has come near. First, we will encounter that in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for things to be right in the world. And he says, blessed are those who are the peacemakers and those who are merciful and those who are lights in the world. And then a little bit later, Jesus will identify these practices when John the Baptist disciples come to Jesus and say, John wants to know, are you the one or should we look for somebody else? And John will say, go tell Jesus what you see. The lame walk, the deaf hear, the blind have sight, the dead are raised, and the, good, the poor hear good news, have good news. And then even later in Matthew's gospel, Jesus identifies the practices by saying, when you've done it to the least of these, you have done it to me. You have done it for me. All these practices that Jesus puts out there are welcoming, and they nurture things like forgiveness and reconciliation amongst people and restoration of relationships and wholeness. These practices bear life-giving fruit for others. It seems to me, though, that repentance is harder for those who are deeply invested maybe in the things that are comfortable or the current order. And that's what the problem was for those Sadducees and the Pharisees. They were deeply invested in things that would be the same as they always were. And I sometimes think it's easier for people who are comfortable with things to change when they're maybe confronted by something in society, or maybe they have a personal crisis which challenges them and maybe their previous faith assumptions to look at things a little bit differently. I know this can happen when maybe a person meets another person and all of a sudden they have this dialogue or this conversation and something opens up and that person then has new insight and empathy for a particular situation. I have a pastor friend who is very involved with the homeless ministry here in, in Cincinnati, and he has observed kind of the brokenness in our system and in our society that leads to more and more division and more and more problems for the homeless. And suddenly he kind of said, well, enough is enough, 
and I'm going to start working towards maybe things, helping things get better. He works with uh, working, in, uh, working in neighborhoods. Well, for Christians, repentance is not this mere religious moment or experience when we come to God, but then continue to live the way we have always lived. That's not repentance. Repentance calls us to be ready, alert, awake, always, perpetually, so we can change when we need to change, all the time seeking to live according to God's will and, and bear fruit. What I think John is really doing in this uh, passage is casting a vision of what God's kingdom is like for all people, and so the whole creation can flourish. John, in his truth-telling, is asking us to look in a mirror and see ourselves and see if we reflect God and do we reflect God by what we say and do. And sometimes, boy. And John doesn't baptize people so they feel good or bad about themselves. His main focus seems to be enlisting people for God's cause. He's not saying, get your hearts ready so Jesus can dwell in them. It's almost as if he's telling those who were out there, it's time to have the heart to take a stand and follow the way of Jesus, to do things differently. And you know what? All this can be challenging to us, just like it was for those people who went out to see John in the wilderness so very long ago. On this second of Sunday of Advent, I don't know about you, but I feel challenged. I feel challenged to look at my life once more and see if it is bearing fruit for God's kingdom. And here is what I notice when I do so. There are places where I feel called to do better. I feel called to do more. And there are places in my life where I feel like maybe I'm called to change my ways. And that's not easy to say, but it's the truth. It's the truth. But here is the good news. Here's the good news. Jesus is a fire bringer, but he also gives us the Holy Spirit. So we can be the people of God because what Jesus wants to do is make saints out of us all. He wants us to be bright lights in the world. He wants us to be salt. He wants us to be peacemakers. He wants us to be, what well, you can fill in the blank, you know, you know. And he aims, yes, to burn away our chaff, to burn off our dross and get rid of the things that kind of are not maybe so good, but for one reason and one reason only. So nothing will ever stop us from being the conduits of God's healing love in our homes and in our communities and in the world. God wants us to be lights. So people of God, be lights. Amen.